afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a Pen and a Napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode three of Winning Time, the story of the Showtime Lakers. And we are getting closer and closer to real basketball, Mr. Hall. I think we're I think we're almost there. We uh, might be there next week. We'll see. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> now I will. Uh, now I uh, again, folks. We apologize. Uh, I I've been under the weather uh, a little bit. I uh, voice is a little off. I uh, got a cold. Got a little bit of a head cold, uh, and I had to uh, bring a, a, a son back to college and stuff like that. So there, that's the reason why we have the twenty four hour. Uh, delay on our podcast uh, this week of our review of, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, of Showtime here, of, of Winning Time, excuse me. So that's the reason why we're a little bit delayed. But I was okay waiting the extra 24 hours because I'm going to come out and say this right now. Overall, I'm going to lead with this case. Overall, this was my favorite of the three episodes. I, I was probably going to, I was going to say the exact same thing. Okay. There was a little bit of more intrigue with all the storylines going on. Yeah, yeah, and it just seemed like the pace was a little bit faster. Um, you know, again, we didn't get a ton of of direct basketball stuff of, of basketball theory, I guess we'll call it. Yeah. Um, but I thought that uh, there was intriguing plot lines. I thought this was. The funniest of the episodes, yeah. myself. There were three or four uh, lines that I l- laughed out loud. Uh, my wife watched this episode with me, and she laughed out loud at three or four lines. Uh, a couple of them we can't say on this podcast because it's PG thirteen. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, um, I, I thought it was the best episode so far. Yeah, I agree. I thought I thought it was. It kept my attention a little more. I didn't wander off and not pay attention. I kind of, I kind of liked some of the storylines because some of them you, I kind of forgot about or didn't know. So it was kind of nice seeing where those went. Well, and and this is a big part of the book. And actually, there was this big long. Uh, I, I think it was uh, it was pulled from the book. And again, I keep forgetting to grab the book off. My, I did see it on my bookshelf earlier today at school, and I was like, I got to grab that. And then I got caught up teaching. And forgot to take it with me here tonight. But uh, the the whole stuff about the pursuit of Tarkanian was kind of at the center of this episode from the basketball point of view. Um, and we're we're introduced to this kind of pseudo lunatic in Pat Riley. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of uh, like I've known about Pat Riley and all that, but I didn't realize that he had a lot of those problems. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's it's interesting, and and uh, there's a great thirty for thirty on this about the the struggles that professional athletes have once they retire, and yeah. and here's Pat Riley. All he's done is is play sports. He goes to Kentucky, plays for Adolph Rupp, plays for a national championship, loses in the famous UTEP game or Texas Western at the time, yeah. uh, plays in the NBA for ten or twelve years, and now what? Now what do you yeah. do? This is all you've known for your entire life, and now what do you do? 
Yeah, and you can kind of see that in the episode two and the episodes leading up. It's kind of the same thing with Jerry West. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't want to give it up. He needed to be on the court, and we'll probably talk about it again. But like at the beginning of the episode where Bus is just ripping into him, like you're leaving me three weeks before training camp. And Jerry West is like, I would go put on a uniform and play the game right now. Uh-huh. He goes, I'm just, I'm just not a coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, mean, I think I think, and we can talk about this later when we talk about coaching aspects. But you kind of see that, like, not all good players can make coaches. Oh yeah, very few of them actually do. I mean, you know, Bill Russell tried it, wasn't great at it. Jerry West wasn't great at it. Isaiah Thomas was really not good. Magic Johnson yeah. was awful. Uh, you know, Michael Jordan has never gone there because he didn't have to. Right. Uh, you know, he went straight into ownership. Uh, God, who was it? Clyde Drexler was a coach at the University of Houston. Remember that for like two years? Oh, and yeah. he, it was a train wreck. Larry, uh, Larry Bird walked into a decent situation in Indiana. So, I mean, it wasn't like he did a heck of a lot, but he was probably one of the better. I mean, now I can't just say Steve, Steve Kerr's done a good job. But but Steve Kerr uh, wasn't a great player. Steve Kerr was a role no. player. You know, there's yeah, a, there's a true. difference. Danny Ainge, uh, well, he wasn't a very good coach. He's a very good executive. Uh, yeah. But but now there's a, there's a million role players that have gone on to be right. very very good coaches. Uh, but you know, I thought it was interesting uh, in that that very first scene. You know, the thing that drove West nuts and the hardest part for those great players is. You know, he said it, you know, those the, those guys can't do what I did and I can't go out there and do it for them. And yeah. that's what ultimately drove him nuts. And, yeah, and, and I wants, think that's what happens with a lot of those guys. Yeah, he wanted to, he's like, what I'm trying to teach them, they aren't doing it. I can go out there and do it better than they can right now. Uh-huh. But I'm just too old to do it. Yeah, exactly. Um, And, and you know, with, with, uh, <laughs> Remind me never to hire Pat Riley for home repair. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, he, him and Tim the Toolman Taylor might do a pretty good job at tearing down your house. <laughs> Excuse me, there's the head cold, rearing yeah. its ugly head there. Um, yeah, that was uh, he cut himself with a chainsaw. He's just like, ah, uh, it's just a flesh wound. Like Jesus, <laughs> and he just keeps going. He just keeps going. And then, okay, so you do that to your garage, and Ashley comes home to that. What's oh, happening? Right. Um, I'd probably be asked to go ahead and leave real quick. <laughs> or I might have to go hide myself. <laughs> uh, exactly. And his wife just walks in like, okay, you done now? You yeah. know, like, really. Hey, she, did, she did tell him to get rid of all the vines. She, but she didn't tell him to get rid of the four walls and the yeah. studs and the foundation and everything else. Um, you know that uh, that was impressive. Uh, yeah, he he uh, he, uh, he did a really good job of cleaning up the house. Yes, you could you could literally say uh, that he he literally tore it down to uh, the studs. Uh, yeah. but you know, that's, you know, one of the, and we, and we, we know this now and it's kind of weird. 
I uh, I just bought a book literally like two days ago off Amazon about the 90s Knicks. Um, I forget what it was called. I'll look it up real quick. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of people uh, for a long time associated Pat Riley with the Showtime Lakers and, uh, you know, just being being a soft guy. It's called Blood in the Garden. It's about the 90s Knicks. Uh, okay. Written by written by uh, Chris Herring. Um, so after I'm done reading my Duran Duran book, that's my next book that's up for me to read. So, uh, but uh, you know, a lot of people thought that Pat Riley was like this soft guy or whatever, you know, and Hollywood good looks and the Armani suits and all this other crap, you know. Yeah. Uh, that dude was a brawler, man. That dude was tough, and and the, <laughs> those Knicks teams were more like his true personality rather than kind of the Lakers Showtime teams. And, and he even brought some of that with those. You remember the Miami Heat teams that he had with Alonzo Mourning and, and Marley yeah. and, and almost ruined, you know, NBA basketball in the late 90s. Right. But, you know, uh, he was not the flash and dash that he's going to be portrayed as, per se, in these in these episodes, I would imagine. He was actually, a, and we saw it this episode, where he's just a tough SOB. Yeah. He wasn't going to back down for it. I mean, you see it when he walk in, he's walking the beach and... Says, I'm going to go play pickup and gets his nose broken, but keeps on playing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, you know, some other things uh, that I thought was interesting, uh, just kind of as we take the the 30,000 foot view, um, you know, kind of the, uh, I I thought it was interesting, uh, the side hustles. Uh, you know, Norm Nixon was was on. Uh, you know, he owned part of that clothing store. Uh, he was in the movie "The Fish," uh, "The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh," um, and you know, today he's an entrepreneur. You know, yeah. uh, now and now it's on a much bigger scale. He doesn't have the the capital from his salary to invest like like that, uh, or he can invest a lot more because he's making right. a lot more money if he's a modern NBA player, um, but. You know, kind of that diversification of things, but then, uh, and and I'm sure we'll we'll get to this. Uh, you know, they're they're going into the to the theater uh, for the premiere, uh, and uh, the the gentleman walks up to Irvin Johnson and introduces himself. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm not probably going to give him the the title that he deserves, uh, but I, I will just call him a hanger on, uh, yeah. trying to ride the coattails of Magic Johnson, and that's a. Uh, you know, Jamal Wilkes comes over and says, you know, stay away from him. He's bad news. And and, and a lot of times with, with athletes, uh, you know, we, we've seen this time and time again. You know, Pete Rose got caught up with the wrong people that he thought were his friends where they were really hangers on and stuff like that. And and a lot of times we assume that these athletes, because they're great athletes, that they're going to make all the right decisions off the floor uh, where they're actually really, really ripe to be taken advantage of like this guy. Uh, is just kind of clinging to to Irvin Johnson there at the uh, at the movie theater, and then at the after party, and we'll we'll talk about that, I'm sure, at some point here. Right. Yeah, I thought. I mean, some of the Norman Nixon stuff, I was kind of, I don't want to know about what he does and all that stuff. But then the part with like clingers coming up and just trying to get to know you. I mean, I think that, that happens in. I mean, not really in high school for our sake anyway, but mm-hmm. for like college and professional, mm-hmm. you've got all those young kids that are just getting pulled left and right, especially with the NIL stuff for college now. Yeah, exactly. Great point. You, you're got to, you've got to 
be able to manage that correctly to one, keep your profile up two to keep you out of trouble and keep you on the straight and narrow. So I think, I think this is really the first, what, what, first year and a half of the nil for college yeah first year this is the first real year because of covid and and everything yeah i would call this the first real year yeah so i think i think you're gonna have to well i think we're gonna see more potential issues come up with that i think down the road the more the bigger it gets unless the ncaa controls a little better yeah oh it's you know (laughs) it's only going to get bigger and, yeah, I mean, you can't tell me that uh, when Texas does this, Texas A&M isn't going to do that. And if Texas right. A&M does that, Alabama is going to do this. And, and you know, and I mean, it's it's just going to continue to escalate. It, it's not yeah. it's not going backwards anytime soon. It's only no. going forwards. And then, I mean, then you get to the professional level and you're a young guy. You're like, OK, how do I fit in here? Uh-huh. And you got to find the right people to hang out with there and do the right things. I mean, it's like some friends of I have always said, like, you get all these guys who get DUIs or in accidents and all that stuff. It's like, you've got all this money in the world. Why are you behind a wheel or why are you driving? Like, you could get a, you could have a driver. Yeah. For nothing. Yeah. Like, you put yourself in those own situation. I think that's just a lot of it where they need to learn a lot more before they go out and do things. But yeah. you also get thrown in that at the age of 21 to 24 or whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because all the decisions we made from the ages of 18 to 22 were right on target. Oh, we were perfect. <laughs> uh, I have a – yeah, we're, we're not even going to go down that <laughs> rabbit hole. We're going to move on. <laughs> to our categories here, um, uh, we 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 have our say. Unless you want to add a category, Casey, uh, do you have any categories you want to add on to this week? No, I'm good. Okay. I don't. I probably right. shouldn't. All right. So uh, I want to flip the script a little bit. I okay. want to start with the worst scene of the episode. I'm gonna be honest. What separated this uh, episode from the first two? There was not really any bad scenes. There was there was there, there was no bad scene. The only bad scene that I had, and this is my own phobia and fears, was at the end of the episode, uh, the last two or three minutes, where Jerry Bus is in the car with Jeannie and he's talking about how an airplane lands. And dude, I get nervous enough on a plane. Like I fly just enough to know what to expect, but I don't fly nearly enough to make it routine that I don't need to know the physics of. It's basically just falling out of the sky very gently. You're freaking me out, Dr. Bus. I wish I would have never heard that. But I honestly, I didn't. I don't have any bad scenes out of this episode, for me, personally. I don't think there was anything bad. I could have done away with uh, Magic and Norman having lunch. Yeah. And, and going to get getting new clothes. I mean... I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm kind of to the point where some of that Norm Nixon stuff I'm done with a little bit, but I I see where they have to tie him in there just because he's the starting point guard and yeah, Magic's going to come in and take his spot and and, and, tr- and that's going to cause a whole bunch of drama behind the scenes with the team yeah. and, and all that yeah. other stuff. Yeah. But otherwise, I agree. I don't think there was anything that was bad. And like I said at the beginning, like 
everything kind of kept me intrigued a little bit. I wanted to like, this was the one episode I was like, okay, can we go on another hour? Yeah. Yes. This was the first time I felt like it was, you know, we went through the whole big review for the last dance and mm-hmm. every time you got to the end of the, of an episode for the last dance and, and, and Jenny and I watched that whole thing together. Every time we got, we were like, okay, let's watch another one. Oh, we, now, you know, you know, and, and they ran yeah. it in two hour segments and we'd be at the end of the, and we'd be like, and Jenny and I'd be like, oh God, we got to wait another week. Oh, this sucks. You know, type of a thing. So, yeah. uh, this was the first time. Yeah. Where I was, I was legit like, okay, this, this had me, even the scene, uh, which could have been a really bad drawn out scene where magic was leaving home and he was going to LA. Uh, yeah. And he's with his family, and and they've laid the ground. Okay, you know he was really close with his parents. He's really close with his siblings, that type of thing. You know that's that's uh, uh, really you know that they they did that smart where okay that scene was only forty five seconds instead of dragging it out for three or four minutes like they did with the bathtub scene last week. Yeah, you know? I'm glad I'm glad that was a quick and simple one and done real quick. Yeah, absolutely. So so. We are kind of in agreement there on there was no real major bad scenes this week. No. Okay. Uh, best scene of the episode. I, I don't I, – I've got a few things, but like I said, I've, I've got a lot of one-liners um, from uh, this week. What were uh, – but I'll let you lead on this one, Casey. Um, what was your – some of your favorite episodes – or favorite – I'm sorry, not favorite episodes. Favorite scenes from this episode. My favorite one was probably um, overall, like the aspect where uh, Jack came into Jerry's office and he was just asking about the Lakers mm-hmm. before his interview with Cook and everything. I, I liked that. I thought that was kind of cool. And then going on to then Jerry learning more about his offense mm-hmm. and kind of growing, coming to it like, oh, wow. He does a lot of good things. Uh-huh. Like I, I like that. Just kind of, and that'll probably be one of my favorite things. Is a like when we talk about coaching wise, is like growing your game. Mm-hmm. Like seeing something, you're like the way he talked, like saying, "Well, people may not like your game because you just throw cream inside and leave it for that, and go from there." And now it's like run the floor, get up and down, and. Mm-hmm. Jerry West was kind of like, oh wow, yeah. Well, what's the, do, you, do you remember things. the word that he used to describe West's West's offense? Oh God, stat. Or, it's nah, four, it's four syllables, I think. Yeah, I can't four. remember now. He said very conventional. Yeah, Conven- that was the word that he used, and it's like, you know, and and I think, you know, one of the things that I really thought about when I was when I was out was if slash when I get back into it, what are areas where we could zig while other everybody else is zagging, but it makes sense for the players that we have and the scheme that we have and, and things like that. And, right. and, you know, Bill McKinney, or I'm sorry, Jack McKinney, uh, which, yeah. you know, they're going to, you know, next episode sounds like they're going to do a deep dive with him. And that's a fascinating story. We'll kind of hold off on that. Right. Uh, uh, probably, I'm guessing until next week. Uh, but you know, he was definitely an, an innovator and, and sometimes when we are coaching, we can kind of say, well, that's what we're supposed to do. But what, what are areas where you can zig while everybody else is zagging? Um, 
and but have it not be so crazy that it's that you're unable to do it, you know, type of a thing. Um, there's a reason why for me, like I enjoyed for a long time watching um, college football more than uh, NFL football, as an example, because it seemed like everybody in the NFL ran the same stuff all the time. Well, now there's the whole bunch of different things that they run in the NFL, and I think it, I think the NFL has been better than it ever has been, in, in my opinion. I think the NBA is kind of the same thing, especially in the last five to seven years, where they've gotten away from, well, you need a seven-foot-one guy in the post that's going to, you know, you're just going to throw it down to and wait for the double team, or he's going to try and score one-on-one, and now they get yeah. what the Warriors are doing and 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 – uh, what the Celtics have done under Brad Stevens and all that, you know, all of that type of stuff. That's what that's what to me made uh, the Bulls, other than you know watching Pippen and Jordan do their magic, but running the triangle offense, which was different from what anybody else was doing in the NBA at the time. You know, so all of that type of stuff. Yeah, so that was that was one of my favorite. That was probably my favorite part of the um, show this week. Um, another part was I. I kind of like the part where, like, the storyline with Magic, I mean, going to Norman Nixon stuff, but then, like, just for him trying to figure out how to fit in in L.A. Yeah. Um, like we talked about, getting fitting with the right crowd, doing the right things, finding things to do, um, building connections with people in which we've only seen a few of the guy, the Laker team members so far, so it's not like we haven't got too far into that yet, but I think right. Just having him learn how to live on his own. Yeah. Out in LA. Yeah. That's a great point. That's a great point. Cause shoot, my son's 22 in a year. He's going to be living on his own, you know, you know, that's, that's a huge adjustment. And sometimes we forget that these kids get drafted at 18, 19, 20 years old, and they're trying to figure out life for themselves on their own. Yep. Um, any other ones? Uh, that's what I can think of right now. I had to rewatch it again tonight just uh-huh. to refresh myself, but not right now. I'm guessing you'll hit some, and I'll probably agree with you on a couple of them. Um, like I said, I, 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 there were three or four one-liners. Uh, my favorite scene overall, uh, just for the entertainment purposes of it. Uh, I'm going to separate the entertainment from the basketball stuff. Uh, for the entertainment purposes, the my favorite scene was the the opening scene with with uh, Bus and West. Um, and everybody's listening in and the, and Bill Sherman looks at Jeannie Buss. Your father doesn't own a firearm, does he? Yeah. <laughs> just, that made me just laugh. Uh, my wife laughed at that one. Um, uh, when the first time that, uh, Buss brings up Tarkanian and I can't say this line on a PG 13 podcast, but he talks about the NCAA and attacking a part of his body. And that was funny. Right. Uh, yeah. When when Magic called home, and you hear his you hear his mom in the background. It was really quick. You had to really pay attention. Uh, she says he ain't calling from jail, is he? Uh, yeah. So uh, I thought that uh, you know I thought those were just some great lines. Uh, I thought one of my favorite scenes uh, was watching uh, Doctor Bus put together that weave on the top of his head. Oh my god! Um, that was that was some physics at work right there. That was some that was some magic done for sure. Yeah. Is that is that what you have to do every day? 
Uh, no, mine's short enough. I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, mine takes me about 18 seconds uh, from yep. start to finish. So, but uh, I, I thought those were good. Um, you know, I I think where we're both going is probably our favorite scenes tie into the basketball realism of of the episode, um, <laughs> which is the pursuit of Jerry Tarkanian as the head coach of uh the LA Lakers. Uh, and I would on that, like I I was young enough then. I didn't know I was really young then. I didn't even know that he was they had gone after him. I never knew he was looked at by the Lakers for an NBA job. Yeah. That was it it was and, in the book. It was in the, the book. We, yeah. And the weird and the crazy thing is is I don't know how good UNLV was there in the early eighties. Mm-hmm. But they weren't they weren't dominant for another eleven years. Well, they had well. They, I mean, that's when they were known as the running Rebs in the in the eighty nine, ninety, ninety one when they had Greg Anthony and LJ and well, he, he got it going in the seventies. He made the he made a final four in the seventies, um, and and then I'm going to go to his year by year. I'm on the Wikipedia machine here. Um, he made the final four in 77. So that was the year that Marquette won okay. it with, with Al McGuire. Okay. Okay. And then, you know, pretty much he won 20 games every year. Um, they got upset in 83. They were number one in the country, uh, or one of the top teams in the country. And they got beat by Valvano's, uh, NC state miracle team. Yeah. The cardiac pack or whatever. Um, in 87, Casey as a Hawkeye. They beat our beloved Hawkeyes in the '87 Elite Eight, yeah, um, and made it to the Final Four. There, they were 37 and two. So, you know, he didn't start winning the championships until, you know, the, ni- the late '90s. You know, with with like you said, LJ and and Greg Anthony and those guys. And, and some of that could have been probably more television, more yeah, more things in the late '80s, the early '70s. So yeah, more that could have been some of it. It wasn't as well publicized yeah exactly so um so let, you know let's jump into that because that was kind of the uh if, if there was if there was one basketball thing that the the episode cl- or the, the the centerpiece of the basketball stuff for the episode was the pursuit of jerry tarkanian um which ironically if you fast forward 10 12 years when he took like the spurs job he failed miserably yeah. there uh but uh what what was your grade for the basketball realism in this episode with the the pursuit of the head coach and especially Tarkanian at the at the core of that? I would probably say it's a B, yep. a solid that's, B. That's exactly what I have. Um, you got the aspect of trying to find a coach, mm-hmm. going through different, I mean, different avenues, and seeing different point of views from different people, from Jerry West, from Cook to dr bus like he had three different people like seeing different point of views on what they thought would be good for what the lakers were wanted to be yeah yeah um i thought that it was really interesting uh the, the the basketball uh the unlv basketball practice uh bad bad basketball yeah. that was that was yeah. that wasn't even like teen wolf bad i mean teen wolf had better basketball footage than that little snippet of of two or three minutes when him and vic weiss were 
were uh, chatting it up there on the sideline about the Lakers job. Uh, but uh, Tarkanian really did like cut off all the vents to his practice facility because pe- he, he, he found cameras, uh, people trying to tape his practice. Now, he was cheating his ass off, and there was a reason why cameras were in there, but that actually happened. Uh, yeah, I knew, I knew that. I knew that story of that. I, I had heard stories on that and knew that was kind of true. Yeah, um, you, you know, so he was he was truly paranoid of the NCAA, and and he, obviously we we know how the story ends up with him. He fights the NCAA for twelve, thirteen years. Finally, you know, steps aside at the end of it, and all this other stuff. Um, you know, and he did agree for. 24 hours to be the Lakers coach that the whole, yeah. the whole thing about the Vic Weiss thing, that is, that is not a uh, made up story. He was actually murdered and they found him in the trunk of a car dead. And I'm sure we'll see it early in the next episode. Tarkanian steps aside because freaking mob people killed Vic Weiss because he, my wife looked it up real quick. He, in 1980 money, he owed about sixty to seventy thousand dollars, and he was skimming money off the off the top from the mob, and and that was kind of the story. That's that's why that's why he he ended up the way that he did. Uh, so um, I thought it was, and you brought it up a little bit too. Uh, the pursuit of basketball coaches from the collegiate level, especially, and the, and the jump they have to make. It's a different game. Uh, oh yeah, it, it's just like us. Uh, when we've, you know, we're mainly high school coaches, but when we coach AAU, it's different. Uh, it's a different game. Uh, if we were to coach college ball, it's a completely different game than high school ball. Um, and, and for these, these, uh, folks, you know, uh, all the different voices in these guys' ears trying to move them one way or another, uh, to, um, to get them to, to, take or not take a job. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, it was kind of interesting that just like I'm sitting there watching, sitting watching it's like the mobs there. I'm like, are we going to see Tony Soprano show up or <laughs> who's going to show up from the mob here sitting at the table? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's uh pretty scary stuff. I also, I also like, like you said, um, I like the scene, where West is watching their offense. Now, come on, Jerry West. You're a basketball guy. You had to have right. seen the, you, you, the the Trailblazers, I think, were in the Lakers division. Yeah. For the last few years, you had to have figured this crap out before of what oh. the Blazers were doing schematically. Come on, Jerry West. And that was the thing. That was another thing I kind of chuckled about. I'm like, okay, he's watching all this film. Did he never not watch film before? Exactly. Like, I mean, I know it's on a projector, but still, like, man – You'd hope he'd have some type of scouting report for a game when he plays um four times a season. Well, yeah, probably at that point, probably more than that, probably five Maybe or six times the, if they're in the division yeah. together. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was is like, yeah, come on, Jerry, you know, uh, you you gotta. If you're as obsessed as you say, we know you've done the work. That was that. Maybe that might have been, in some ways, it was a great scene, but it was kind of a bad scene if you really think about it. Yeah. Though, uh, but one of the things, and again, and I like this with the basketball realism, uh, you got guys checking out other guys. Um, you, you, you hear people recommending one another for a job. This guy's really good at what he does. Uh, 
you know, here's the real reason why. And and obviously that 77 Trailblazer team and in, into 78 until Walton got hurt, you know, legendary team, the way that they moved the ball, the way that they passed the ball, kind of a Rick Adelman, Sacramento Kings, early 2000s type yeah. of vibe to it type of deal. Yeah, that's a that's a really good comparison. Yeah, and, and so... Uh, and and on that Sacramento staff, I don't know if you remember this, Casey, Pete Carrill was one of their consultants that helped Adelman kind of put this all together with Weber and Vlade playing in the high post and at the elbows and doing this and that. And, but but the basketball realism of uh, the the real smart people know where the really smart people are. And just because their names aren't in the bright lights like Tarkanians uh, doesn't mean that these folks aren't a good fit. You know Exactly. Yeah. So. Kind of a text, kind of a text winner thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's, a, that's another good comparison. God, we are smart guys, Casey. We're getting there. We're getting there. Uh, who made the most out of the '80s and survived award for this week? Man, oh, uh, probably Pat Riley. <laughs> if he's not going Texas Chainsaw Massacre on himself, yeah, just um, yeah. I think some of it was, it's kind of like where we were at Jerry West, uh, the last, the first two episodes, like, um, and where he wants to go and how he wants to do it and stay in what wants to do. Yeah. Um, I could kind of see that him kind of having that, um, aspect. I mean, now we know where he's at. I mean, yeah, he's he's considered one of the better basketball geniuses of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I think I kind of liked him for coming full circle, um, or at least starting his circle mm-hmm. to go in the right direction. So yeah. I'd say probably Pat Riley. My award would go to the uh, to the one and only Irvin Johnson. Now, obviously, we uh, we've been previewed with. Uh, uh, Irvin's, I, I guess we will call it uh, social appetite, uh, yeah. especially in ep- it's kind of progressed from episode one to episode two. And then uh, we really uh, saw some things in this episode here, yeah. um, which goes back to episode one and the very first scene. And, and we all know how this story ends up. Uh, right. But, uh, you know, it was it was no uh, uh, he, he definitely. Um, you know, the, a lot of these guys in, in the in the seventies and eighties, you know, a lot of these athletes fight a lot of things. I mean, you got Pat Riley sipping on the Coors Light at three o'clock in the afternoon, uh, or Coors Heavy, sorry. Um, and you got uh, other guys, you know, during this time period dealing with cocaine issues. And and Irvin always said, you know, all these guys did cocaine, that wasn't my thing. All these guys drank, that wasn't my thing. My, you know, my addiction was women, and yeah. and and we could see that. Uh, play itself out in that high rolling lifestyle. I mean, he walks right into uh, uh, when he walked into Doctor Bus's uh, apartment or condo or w- whatever that is, and and Jeannie walks in. And the first thing on his mind is, man, she's good looking, you know. And yeah, um, you know, so so that guy was uh, on, if you will, you know, twenty four seven when it came to that type of stuff. So um, that would be my award winner for this week. So. Um, coaching point or concept you're going to steal from this episode. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, Jerry Tarkanian, um, in the sense of 
until the money got so obscenely big that he couldn't turn it down. You know, in the dinner scene where where Bus is pitching him the deal, um, he didn't want to go. He he knew he was. He said it in there. I'm a college coach. I I, I don't want to deal with the professional game. I don't want to deal with. I'm a college coach. I like teaching the game at this level, and uh, you know. I think it's important to stay true to who you are as a coach and and do what makes you happy. Um, I, I you know sometimes we get caught up in, in our high school world as an example. If you're at a smaller school and and bigger school, uh, let's say you're at a C two school in Nebraska and a class B or a class A comes knocking, that isn't necessarily the best option, the best thing for you just because it's a class A job or whatever. Or if you're a college coach, you're going to the professional game. You know, very few coaches have made that leap and done it extremely successfully. You know, Billy Donovan has had a pretty good career, uh, but but there's, you know, there's been a lot more failures than successes with that. And, and Tarkanian knew in his gut until, again, like the money got so obscenely large that this was not the right thing for him. And, and that's kind of the coaching point that I took from this, this episode. That's one of the big ones. The McKinney stuff was really good, and I'm really excited to see that hopefully next week. You know, But that's where I was for that. Uh, what, was your, what was your concept you're going to steal? Mine's kind of Jerry West and McKinney a little bit. Like the first scene where um, like Jerry West was saying, like we talked about, like knowing his role, like he's not a – He's not a coach. He's a player. Knowing that, not jumping into it, or he jumped into it too fast. Mm-hmm. And he should have kind of stepped away mm-hmm. and kind of looked at things before he jumped into it as the head coach uh, or to coach. Um, that's one thing I think a lot of people need to look at. Like, don't jump at that first thing if you're looking to like, move to a different job. Kind of like where you said, like, don't just jump in with two feet kind of scope around make sure it fits best for you before you go ahead and jump from a c2 to a class a or something like that find something that works well for you if it's an assistant coach or a head coach yeah um make sure how your personality is your coaching style fits in with what you're going to that's you know that's a great point, and one of the things that that you you brought up there is is even going from an assistant coaching job to a head coaching job. And a lot of times, where you know assistant coaches are are chomping at the bit to be a head coach, that they'll just take any head coaching job. But if you're an assistant coach and you take a tough job as a head coach, and it's not a good fit, or you don't get things going in the way that you want it to, or whatever whatever the scenario th- is where it doesn't work out the way you would like. Now you're kind of wearing that scarlet letter, like, well, this this guy or gal got that opportunity at a, at a head job, and they didn't do diddly poo at at West High, and you know, are they really a good head coach? You know, type of a thing, and and that's yeah. it's it that's not fair, but you know, just as well as I do, that there's there's some there's some truth to that in yeah. the pers- in in people's perceptions. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And people look at it certain ways. And I think I think that's one thing I liked about where Jack McKinney came in to Jerry West's office and was kind of he was kind of asking doing his own interview mm-hmm. before he had his interview, just trying to find out like was there problems with players, or is there bad situations going on, or was it your offensive style that people didn't like mm-hmm. player wise? Like I think that's one thing too. You've got to come in as a coach 
job wise where you're going is you've got to either interview someone that's within the program or find out as much as you can about the program from other coaches in the area. Yeah. And did you remember what he said before that? You know, I've been offered other jobs before, but they've never been right. And my wife said, I'm too picky, but I want to make sure it's the perfect situation for me. And, and some people, you know, and, and in his situation, he was working for an extremely well regarded head coach in, in uh, Jack Ramsey, uh, who was, uh, you know, on top of the world, uh, in the coaching profession during the late seventies. And and so he had the ability to be a little bit more picky because he knew he was in such a great situation in Portland. At least they thought at the time, and then Walton got hurt and, you know, you know, this is only a year removed from Walton being hurt and they thought he was going to be back with him and he never really came back with him, you know? So, um, you know, he could be a little bit more patient, uh, but I think that's that, you know, you just don't take head coaching jobs just to take head coaching jobs, I think is another big lesson you can take from this episode as well. Yep. Yeah. Overall grade, Mr. Hall. I'll give it a B. God, great minds think alike. Solid yep. B for me as well. Um, I'm going to go back to my original synopsis. Uh, well, w- w- your reasoning for the B. Um, I think we're just, I think we're getting there to the basketball stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I know they've got to get a storyline. They've got to tell people's trials and tribulations to get where they're at. But I think we're getting closer to see how the whole team came together. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, that's going to be kind of intriguing too. I mean, first time we haven't seen Kareem, but it's, but that's okay because we only saw him for about, 30 seconds in the first two episodes anyway. (laughs) Yeah. But I think trying to see how that all meshes and then Norm Nixon stuff and magic stuff potentially coming to a head on the court. I think that'll be kind of intriguing to see. So I think, I think we're getting there Mm -hmm. now. It's just, let's get over that hump next week. Yeah. And it looks like we will. It looks like we will. Based on the previews, there was a lot yeah. less. Uh, when when it came to the previews, there was a lot less. There was a lot more stuff on the court in the previews for the next week than we've seen before. Yeah. You know? So I, I too uh, be uh, be a solid B for this episode. Uh, one of the things I really liked was, like I said earlier, no bad scenes. There there was you know the cl- kind of the closest we came was that Norm Nixon little. Five minutes stretch, but that wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. No, it wasn't horrible. It wasn't horrible. Um, No great basketball scenes yet. Uh, You know, um, you know, how's this all going to piece together? And like I said, I I think this is kind of like, 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 I I think uh, we both came to the same conclusion. It was kind of the first time that we had that end of the two hour run of the last dance where we were like, crap, we got to wait another week for the next one to come out. And, and, uh, I, 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 like it says here that the title of this episode, the best is yet to come. I really hope that for this series, the best is yet to come. And I think we're for basketball nerds like you and I, I I think we're really close to getting to the meat and potatoes of the stuff. We're really, really going to like. Yep. I totally agree. All right. Mr. Hall, thank you for for waiting 24 hours to chat about this. I appreciate it. Um, It is uh, always good to talk to you. And uh, 
look forward to uh, to talking to you some more at the latest next Sunday night when we when we review episode four. And uh, we're we're gaining steam, and and we continue to look forward. All right, sound good, my friend. All right, sounds great. All right, uh, for Casey Hall, my name is Marty Plum, the host of a pen and napkin podcast. Hope you've enjoyed this review of Winning Time, Episode Three: The Best Is Yet to Come. Be sure to sign up for the Pen and a Napkin Coaches Clinic on Saturday, April the 9th. Uh, Going to be a great day up there. And also check out the new appendantandnapkin.com website. I keep adding new. Uh, I spent about an hour on Saturday adding a bunch of new stuff to the website as well. So go and check that out. Coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day. 